headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studio. It's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. We help people build wealth, do work that they actually love, and create real, amazing relationships. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, speaking of doing work you love, is here as my co-host today. We'll be answering questions about work you love and about your money and about your life and uh, your career, your job, how you get a bigger shovel. All that is included today for free. The phone number is 888-825-5225. The call is free. Some say the advice is worth exactly what you pay for it. Vanessa starts off this hour in Los Angeles. Hi, Vanessa. How are you? Hi, I'm doing fine. How are you guys? Better than we deserve. What's up in your world? Thank you so much for taking my call. So um, I have about three months of expensive saved. So I'm in the middle of baby step number three, and I'm looking to move out. And I'm not sure if I should be leaning towards renting an apartment or working towards purchasing something. Move out of your parents' house? Um, well, I rent a studio from my grandparents' house. It's just really small, and I don't have a kitchen. So, yeah, I'm looking to upgrade. Okay. And what do you make a year? 65000 Okay. All right. And you live in Los Angeles proper, or what? Yes, I live in Los Angeles by downtown L.A. Okay. All right. Well, as you know, you're in a pretty expensive real estate market. Agreed? Yes, I agree. And, um... So 65000 doesn't go that far. You're not exactly mm-hmm. broke. You have a good job, but, um, but it's, it's an expensive world to try to think about rent or buying either one in your situation. So you, mm-hmm. you're, are you, did you say you're out of debt? I am out of debt, yes. And I work from home, so I am like flexible. I can move out of L.A. I don't mind like, leaving L.A. Mm-hmm. I just you know, don't know if it's the best thing to do. What's the comparison between what you're paying for the studio with your grandparents versus something else that's uh, not exorbitant or luxurious, but uh, an apartment with a kitchen? What's that going to cost you in L.A.? Probably like another $1,000 a month compared to what I'm paying now. What do you pay now? I pay only like Mm -hmm. $350. Yeah, if you can get that for $1,350, you got a deal. That'd be a deal. Yeah. I I doubt it. yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, your family is in L.A. Mm-hmm. How old are you? I'm 25. What do you do for a living? I work in fraud prevention for an e-commerce business. Okay. Good for you. Okay. Thank you. Um, uh, okay. So here's the thing. If you don't see your income coming up fairly quickly you're going to struggle to own real estate in L.A. soon. It's mm-hmm. going to take a while. Okay, so I'm tempted as a short-term adventure to move you to a less expensive market as an adventure, mm-hmm. not a permanent solution maybe. Maybe it is a permanent solution. But pick a city you've always wanted to live in, and let's try something new. You're 25. There's not much holding you except family ties, and let's go somewhere mm-hmm. where 65000 goes a lot further. Yes, I agree. And then you could get a lot of uh, a little bit nicer rental situation while you save like crazy to buy a property um, and Mm -hmm. then talk about as your income comes up. Now, if you tell me that in 
three years, you're going to be making 165K, then I'll shut up. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to be making 65 and then 75 and then 85, you're going to be there a while in L.A. Yeah. So okay. I'm not trying to talk you out of this, but it's just a matter of what your career path is because this is a math thing and you don't get a pass on math just because you're in California. Mm-hmm. And that's the question I have is what's driving your future decision right now? I know it can change tomorrow, but right now, is it live in a more affordable place and keep doing the kind of work I'm doing? Or is there a much higher professional goal that you're, you're dreaming about? Um, I think right now it's just moving into a more affordable place. I just got this job, right? So I was making 40 K just three months ago and I just received this new job. So now I'm like, good. Um, yeah, I'm just ready to move out and basically start my adult life. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree with Dave. I would be patient and uh, mm-hmm. get into this new professional role. Let's move to a much cheaper area. The fact that you work well, from home. Why don't we say that. after Christmas we start talking about moving to a different city? Yeah, that's just, what I was aiming towards. Yeah, let's just stay in the studio till then. Okay. That's what Sounds I would good. do. Because my birthday, my birthday's in March, so I was hoping like by March. Yeah, there you go. Should be on my own. Yeah, and then you, you can know, move for, to. What well, if you were just going to pick a city today, just for fun, for us to talk about? What city would you pick? Well, probably somewhere in Riverside County because I also have family out there, but I don't know if it's like a lot of a difference in like rent. No, not much. Prices. Yeah, so that's not that's not really that's a different city. I mean, that's just that's moving from one problem to another there. But I mean, if you went to mm-hmm. Northern California. Uh, into some of those areas, you know, there, there's more reasonable stuff going on there. Or you just go to an adjacent state, you know. And yeah. We, we start talking about um, Tucson or something like that. I'm just making it up, okay? But so you mm-hmm. just start saying, okay, by March I'm going to be here. If I'm not seeing a huge increase in my pay, boom over boom over boom, okay? Mm-hmm. Because you, you, in order to prosper in, in a very, very expensive market, you're going to have to get north of six figures pretty quick. Okay. It's just a shovel thing. I mean, you got a hole you're in and a shovel you, to dig with, and that's what we're discussing here. So the good news is you're in an area, a field that you've chosen to go into, that if you'll get continue to study, take classes, uh, get the certifications in that area, security, Internet security stuff is just white hot. And you could go way up real fast. Yeah, I think there's three things that I would give to her and anybody who's looking to kind of level up and get that paycheck bigger. Learn something new every day within the field. I mean, every day you're learning something. Maybe it's uh, through a course or maybe it's just somebody who's more experienced than you. Do something with that knowledge and make sure you're connecting all of the time. Real relationships and real conversations with people in the field. Uh, because by learning, doing, connecting, you're going to automatically have opportunities that come to you because you're very attractive people can see that your leadership sees that about you and before you know it you're you're moving up and you're making six figures and see opportunities you never saw before you might consider moving to the city where this company is and working in the office Mm -hmm. because that way you can be actually around the human beings that are doing this it's um one of the problems with work from home is out of sight out of mind on promotions Uh, They forget you're there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
they're not even sure you are there. That's correct. <laughs> that is correct, by the way. The data is showing that. Uh, as people are trying to wrestle with whether or not I go back to work or not, uh, the data shows that uh, there's a much greater chance of getting promoted because you're actually getting noticed. Yeah, so here's a weird thing. Promotions also happen on relationships. Yes. And that's not a good always. old boy network. It's just I can trust you if I've actually seen your eyes. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey folks, Dave Ramsey here. There are moments in life we don't want to forget, like your kid's graduation or the once-in-a-lifetime trip. For the big moments, the everyday moments, and everything in between, every dollar is there to help you budget for all of it. It's the simple budgeting app that helps you plan, save, and spend for the important things. Budget for the life you really want, every moment of it. Download the app or check the link in the show notes to create your free account today, every dollar. Thank you for joining us, America. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Guys, we really value the input from people who watch and listen to this show, and uh, we want to know what's important to you. We want the right content for you, the right questions, the right challenges. And right now you can share your thoughts with us by answering a few questions in our new survey that we just launched. The Ramsey Show is doing a survey. Uh, you can check out. Check it out at RamseySolutions.com slash survey. It's free. You can only take a minute or two to take it. It's a favor to us. If you take it, you're in a drawing for a $500 Visa gift card. That's up for grabs to thank you for your time. Someone that takes it will win that. Nice lick there. RamseySolutions.com slash survey. And you can answer the survey on your phone. Just takes a few minutes. But we want to know what you're thinking about what we're doing. And again, just visit RamseySolutions.com slash survey open phones here at triple eight eight two five five two two five ken we need to talk about this uh employment situation you're the expert on this and um i'm an expert on my opinion so we got a really good opportunity here to talk about this <laughs> but um uh there is some weird economic data that the media is not parsing through and it is telling a different is telling a different story of reality than the politicians on either side want you to believe. Okay, so side one is uh, that you know we're at the best job market in the history of the world. There's a shortage of workers. Mm -hmm. We can't get enough workers. I can't fill the jobs that we have available at Ramsey. Okay, which is true by the way. Probably got a hundred positions we could fill today, roughly. We can't get so there's you know there's at arguably full employment. Mm -hmm. Anybody that really wants to work in this current economy is working, is able to work, is working mm -hmm. uh, from an economic perspective. Um, and so 
the uh, current administration would say, look at us, look at this great economy, although we know we're in a recession. Uh, we know that the Fed thinks we're in a horrible inflationary situation, so they're going to slam interest rates up and and what they said so that they can cause some pain that's correct it's exactly what the moron at the fed actually said we want to cause some pain we want some more unemployment and we want things to slow down well thank you very much you aristocracy piece of trash oh my god yeah the first thing we want to do is not let the little people prosper if we're in the fed so I uh, already trashed on him last week, so right. I'll, I'll just hold that for now. Oh, yeah. Hold that thought. But anyway, so we've got this side that the economy is in such good shape mm -hmm. that it's inflating and the marketplace is full and, you're, yet, and, and, and there's a shortage of workers. And yet we find people looking for work every day. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a shortage of, quote, good jobs. So what we're really finding, when you dug into the data, you were showing me this earlier, yeah. is that it's not um, – it's not as easy as saying jobs. That's correct. It's what jobs. That's right. There are more options. The way to look at it is there's more options available now to people than previously existed that uh, that are attractive to them. So, example, where we see less jobs, give you one really dumpster fire situation. We have 300,000 less teachers now than we did prior to the pandemic. 300,000 less teachers. You're I wonder how many less police we've got. That's correct. You're seeing a lot of municipalities with jobs. So local government, state government jobs aren't as attractive as they used to be. And, and there's a reason for this. This is upward mobility. And I think a lot of people are like, well, it was always safe, but it's always been pretty stagnant. So there's more opportunities for people. You're seeing people move into delivery jobs. You're seeing people move into warehouses. Well, but envir jobs. the environment of those jobs, the culture not around good what it feels like to be a cop today or feels like to be a teacher today is way different than five years ago there's no question about that we actually saw this recently just about a month or so ago you can look it up for yourself uh the fraternal order of police had their meeting in washington dc the national uh chairman of the sheriffs uh they came out and said we're losing good people and they're moving into a different sector of the society to do the same type of protecting work so a lot of private security things of that nature because they don't want to be treated this way they don't want to feel unsafe so What's happening is we've just seen a big reshuffling of the chairs. And so what happens is when you hear things like, well, there's a job gap. Well, that, that's a function of there are one and a half jobs available for every person that's unemployed in the United States. You've seen a lot of people choose retirement, not come back out. So we've got this big gap. And so when you see a gap like that, what you see is companies are competing everything from a kid making $16 an hour at Target. That's real. 20 yeah, but I'm talking about a 16-year-old kid. I got a friend of mine who just got that job. And so what happens is is that you see inflationary pressures from wages. So now the Fed's going, well, we got to get inflation under control. And what they're trying to do to get inflation under control is drive off unemployment. If the August job numbers were out. We're at 3.7% unemployment. We were at 36 in July. So they're actively trying to drive unemployment up, hoping that that will cool wages. But the wages. type of unemployment that goes up is going to be those entry-level entry jobs. That's correct. So it's not going to actually solve the inflationary pressure. It's not going to solve the nursing shortage or the cop no. shortage. It's not going to solve, uh, you know, uh, dev twos, developers, no. No. Uh, software engineers. The private sector is going to drive that. that. Nothing's going nothing's to change any of that that that's they're right. doing. That's right. It's only picking on the little guy. That's why I was talking about the the arrogance of the aristocracy because they are looking at a number as a jobs number holistically rather than saying all right let's parse this and go okay uh, by the way Uber Eats is way up mm -hmm. well what does that really mean 
Well, I'll tell you what that actually means. When Uber Eats goes up, it your prices go up. So your $18 pizza is now 22 your combo meal. Uh, so that's what's really no, going on. No, but I mean, what, what, what's that guy doing? What would, he, what, what would he have been doing with his life if he wasn't doing Uber Eats? Well, he's probably in another hourly wage position, and so he's going, or, I what's can, an, It's a side hustle. That's exactly right. That's Are exactly they counting right. the side hustles as, as, as full employment? No, they do not. So part-time jobs are in a separate category in the jobs report. So the, the unemployment, is, it's really where someone's choosing to be unemployed, meaning so they're not working a full-time job. Part-time really doesn't count, doesn't weigh into that. Okay, so if you're a professional in uh, A, B, or C position that makes um, 80 to 150, okay, um, there is a uh, – you've got your choice right now. Right now you do. Okay. Right now you do. If Jerome Powell and the Fed has their way, it could really squeeze that. We could see, and he's predicting fourth quarter layoffs, first quarter of 2023 yeah, layoffs. $150,000 is not at the front line of the layoffs. Uh, not at the front line, but you're also seeing like larger companies will because they get concerned about the economy. You could see those people get laid off, and now you're going to have another rush for that position. Okay, so Facebook and Google and um, one other one, I was trying to remember who was in the article, came out and said, uh, I believe it was Apple. If they don't have an increase in productivity, they basically threaten their team that if you don't have an increase in productivity that um, we're uh, going to have to do layoffs. Yes. Uh, and yet the vast majority of their uh, people are working from home. And then turn around, Tim Cook says at Apple, uh, he says to his employees, get this, please come back to the office. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. Now it's different than Ramsey. Oh, yeah. We kind of just said, come back to the office voluntold i like that word you created yeah, you were vo we voluntold you <laughs> you're going to voluntold yourself back to the office because this is where we were right well so you know what that speaks to two things number one tim cook is weak just being honest number well, two he runs the largest company in the world yeah but he's, he's weak not, when be, he says that yeah but I mean, he, he's afraid of his employees there's the leverage issue yeah if those highly skilled workers leave to go somewhere else it's a lot harder to find them in the sense of getting them in yeah, for the same pay so he's trying to save money by placating the workforce so i'm not trying to take a shot at his character i'm saying from a no, leadership he standpoint you called him weak yeah well yeah pot, <laughs> hello pot i'm kettle uh i mean he, that's a weak leadership move it really is yeah. you you can't plead and bargain with your employees. What you have to do is just make it appealing for them to come in, or you put a clear directive out there that says, if you don't come in, you don't work here. And we've seen companies try that. Well, Elon Musk did. He said, you know, you can not work from home That's somewhere correct. else. correct. Interesting That's, uh, times right now. The, the, the chairs have shifted a good bit. It's a very, it's a weird, I think it may be the weirdest job market I've seen in 30 or 40 that years. That is correct. The most unique it's for very, sure. very, very strange job market. Both for both sides, the hiring and the hired. This is the Ramsey Show. Ramsey personality, author of the number one bestseller, From Paycheck to Purpose, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. 
Ruben is with us in Corpus Christi, Texas. Hi, Ruben. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Uh, thank you. What's up? Hey, um, yeah, me and my wife um, had a situation where we have an opportunity to purchase a house. And um, right now we have about half of it or a little more than half. But we can pay it in full if we clear out her 401k. So my question is, should I finance that difference or should I just get out of the 401k and just have a free and clear house? Sounds pretty tempting, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So if you take it out of the 401k, you get a 10% penalty plus your tax rate. So if your tax rate's 25%, that's a 35% hit on your money. So kind of what you just accidentally asked me was, Dave, I want to borrow money at 35% interest to have a paid-for house. And that, <laughs> that, that, that would be, of course, ridiculous, wouldn't it? Okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we said whatever you told us. We well, I mean, no, no, it's not what I – I want you to think. <laughs> you, you don't yes. want to give up 35% of your money. Right. That's like 35% interest. Okay. You, you understand? Yes. Okay. Yes. No, I do. Okay. I do. So we just borrow it from yeah. the bank. And yeah. I assume you're out of debt, everything but the house, but the house you're buying, right? Well, yes. It, well, we owe about $6,000 on the truck and 30000 on our car, on her car. So other than that, we, we okay. don't full, have any full, full, other no, debt. No, full stop. Full stop. Full stop. Okay. How much money do you have in savings? Um, right now, $108,000. Okay. And what's your household income? About eighty to ninety thousand, I guess. Okay, you're probably um, not attuned enough to the things that we talk about here and we teach for you to actually do this. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you anyway what you should do and what okay. I would do if I woke up in your shoes. I'm guessing you're in your mid twenties. No, I'm actually in. Uh, we had a house. Uh, the house was almost paid off, but we had an accident. Well, we didn't have an accident. On January the 1st, a firework got in my backyard while we were asleep, burned the whole house down. We got out alive, thank God, but um, that happened, and that's why we're in the situation we're in. Uh, We were already paying off our house. I mean, How how old are you? I'm 47. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, What we teach folks is your most powerful wealth-building tool is your income. So getting out of debt and staying out of debt first step is everything but the house, then the house. Um, And when you make, you said $80,000 a year? Uh, Between the, yeah, Yeah, well, I would say closer to ninety to $100,000, really, I guess. Well, I mean, what'd you pay taxes on, dude? Do you not know? Um, Yes, I paid on 55. She paid on, I want to say 40, so... I think that's so about That'd be right. like 95 Okay. So yeah, a $30,000 car does not fit in this equation. You have so too much tied up in something that's going down in value. No, it doesn't fit at all. I would sell it. I'd get, okay. a, che- I'd get a cheaper car. And I would pay them both off. And with what's left, I would put it all down on the house. And I would put the house on a 15-year fixed rate or less. And then I would work on paying down the house. Because you have no debt at that point. But um, you shouldn't have more than half your annual income, and you potentially do or very close to it, tied up in things that go down in value with wheels and motors. So the chances of you calling about a 401k withdrawal and me selling your $30,000 car in the same conversation are fairly low. I know that. But it is still what you should do. 
Um, and uh, I hope I can convince you to think about that anyway, because if I woke up in your shoes, knowing what I know now with all the stupid butt stuff I have done in my life, uh, I, and if you were to talk to one of the 10,000 millionaires that were in the millionaire survey that we did for the baby steps millionaires book, um, you would find that they would all say the biggest mistakes they've ever made are super expensive cars when they're still broke and you are still broke. You're not broken like most people, but you're, you don't have any money to amount to anything. Um, you're just still in your early stages of wealth building. And so you need to get those cars cleared up. The best thing to do is I would rather you be driving a $10,000 car and have another 20 on down on the house. than you keep this $20,000, $30,000 car and pay down on it personally. If I was in your shoes, that's what I would do. And so I'd have a couple $10,000 cars. I'd put as much down on this house as I could, get it paid off, and then you're going to be in a position to really super build wealth. But, uh, again, I think I just sold mom's car, so I don't know if I'm going to get away with that or not. Yeah, you, you th- hit a lot hit a lot there, Dave. The $30,000 car, i got to sell that. But it makes total sense, especially if, uh, if if you can come out ahead on that and then put that towards the other cars. I think he said 6000 in credit card debt as well. It was on the other car. Oh, it was the other car. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, so knocking that out is going to be huge. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing uh, you, you uh, need to think about in this case, Ruben, is car debt is debt. You weren't sure of that early yes. in the conversation. Yeah. So it's like, oh, we don't, we don't really have any debt, but we got these two car debts, 30000 and 6000 That's debt. It's a debt. Because if you don't pay it, they will repossess your butt, and then they will sue your butt, and that's what will happen. And, yeah, so it's debt. It yeah. has, has consequences, has problems. Heather's in Roanoke, Virginia. Hi, Heather. How are you? Doing great, and it is such an honor to speak with both of you all today. You too. What's up? My my husband and I are in baby steps four, five, and six. My question has to do with baby step four. My husband's a pastor, and he's opted out of Social Security. So I was wondering, do we need to be investing more than the 15% since he will not be receiving Social Security at all? No. Okay. 15 is sufficient. You'll be very wealthy on 15 percent if that's all you ever do but as you know 15 is not our only plan it's 15 until until you get kids in college and you get the house paid off when the house is paid off then we max out everything and so how old are you guys um my husband is 50 and i am 49 do either one of you have income that is not pastoral income yes i do okay obviously that has social security coming out of it and if he does anything other than pastoring that has social security it's only his pastoral income that's exempt we have about in retirement um accounts close to of course the market's been down so at one point we were at about a hundred thousand good for you good start um, good start so it's a good start yeah i I would opt out i would do exactly what you've done if i were in that situation i'm not allowed to obviously because i'm not i don't qualify i don't have pastoral income that's that i can do a uh, i can uh object to i can't be a conscientious objector to the social security system uh legally i can morally and i am morally i hate it uh but um but it is there still and so um yeah if i were you i would opt out and i would say 15 percent. but then you know finish the plan get out of debt and house and everything and you can and so can we talk about this before your dad's a pastor yeah opting out um if folks that don't know that are pastors you have the opportunity for your pastoral income only not other income if you're a pastor and you have uh, royalty from a book that's taxable uh, you don't get out of it but your pastoral income you can opt out as a conscientious objector 
and you have to sign a document with the IRS that says on a religious basis, I object to the Social Security system, and you have to be able to do that with integrity. Now, if I were in a pastoral role, I could do that with integrity because um, as a Christian, I'm real sure the Bible says to be a good steward, a good manager of God's resources, and giving it to the Social Security system, by definition, is not a good use of God's money because it sucks. It has a negative rate of return, and it's a horribly run, government-bloated, it's the DMV of retirement. It's a mess. And so, um, you know, I can I can object to it on a religious basis with good conscience if I'm in that role. If you can do that and you're a pastor, then you need to make sure you have life insurance in place, disability insurance in place, and have a retirement system, a retirement plan in place. But you need those anyway, pastor. Regardless, you got to do that anyway. So while you're at it, do good financial planning. Don't count on the mother state to take care of you. This is The Ramsey Show. Joining us, America, we are so glad you are with us. Open phones at 888-825-5225. This is The Ramsey Show. We're all about helping you get to a different place, a better place in your career, a better place in your wealth building, a better place in your relationships. This is all about moving up a notch, leveling up, as the important people say these days. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Carl is next in St. Louis. Hey, Carl, what's up? Hey, how are you doing, Dave? So glad to talk to you. Uh, really excited to get in the air with you. Well, thanks. Um, so uh, my wife and I have kind of been in debt most of our life. And, um, boy, I wish I found you 20 years ago. And uh, we paid off so much of our debt. Uh, we paid off my car a little quicker. And after that, we started putting that car payment towards her car. Then we got sick and tired of her car and started putting extra from savings to it. And we kept our savings at a set level and put the extra against that car. And I was talking to my financial advisor about a week ago, and she's like, oh, my gosh, you just got one more month of this. Just pay it off. You're going to feel so glad you did. And so I did. I paid off the car, and, boy, did I feel excited. So the only debt we have remaining is our house, and uh, we owe $45,000 on the house. Um, We have $35,000 in savings. um, And uh, my financial advisor is like, oh, man, you should just just put twenty five of that against your house. You can pay that off in four months then and just be done with it and then build your savings back up. And so I was kind of like, you know, should I leave more in savings? Should I just follow that? Just, just take a big 25,000 chunk against savings and just knock the house out quick. Or should I just keep paying on the house more and knock it out in about nine months? Good for you. Wow. Well, I like your financial advisor. <laughs> I thought you might. I mentioned yeah. your name to her so much of the time. <laughs> yeah, she, she, uh, she hates so. debt. She hates debt bad. And, <laughs> and that's good because you're income once you get it all freed up is she she knows the truth is 
going to become your most uh, powerful wealth building tool when you're not giving it all to someone else as a way of life and you're beginning to experience the emotions of these numbers in the last few months it sounds like and it's very exciting for you i'm, I'm, I'm proud of you very, <laughs> yeah, super cool. exciting. okay so we teach a process very that comes from the same principles that she's leaning on that's why she and i like each other i can tell and um so baby step one is save a thousand dollars you've done that okay baby step two is become debt free other than the home and you've done that baby step three is have an an emergency fund of three to six months of expenses okay okay so i don't want your savings below three months of household expenses so if your household expenses are three grand a month then we can go with her plan well, without a house payment, it would definitely be. Oh, you have that, a house payment. Sure. You have a house payment still. <laughs> yeah, once that's knocked out, then, um, with house payment, it's probably okay. With house payment, monthly expenses is probably, um, well, probably pretty close to three. Okay. Right. Well, no, that's not true. I don't think it's that much. I'd say it's probably. I mean, the house payment. What's your household income? Um, I make one forty-five. My wife makes forty-eight. Right about forty-eight. Okay. She's so, a couple, couple of hundred a year. Okay, and yeah. so, um, uh, um, yeah. And if you take, you said there's thirty-five in there, right? In your savings. Yes. And yes. forty on the house, or forty or forty-five on the house. Forty-five on the house. Okay, so if we throw twenty-five at it, leave ten in there, like she suggests. Uh, that means we have 20 left on a $200,000 household income, and you're done by Christmas then. Yeah, I'd be done by Christmas for sure. Yeah. Okay. I don't want you below 10. Uh, cause I, I, Are you okay with 10? Um, borderline, but but um, I just want you to gauge everything around you and be, be very wary. Because if you have a $15,000 event, we got a problem, dude, and you make two hundred grand, and that's silly. The other idea I had that I kind of threw at my wife is um, we, we were putting what you know the first thing was um, take our house payment, put our two car payments against it, and then put the extra we're putting from savings, which takes us to a house payment of fifty one hundred a month. We're just going to keep cranking it up. And so my other idea was every month you know pay that and then pay an additional five grand from savings and kind of see how we feel as we're going with that. That would be okay too. Um... Yeah, I just don't want – if I could establish real comfortably what three was, I mean, I'd be more comfortable with 15. I'd probably do it if it okay. was 15. But okay. pe- people often call I'm me and that. say, I have enough money in my savings account to pay off my house today, and it would leave me with $1,000 left in my account. And I would tell them no. And I, I'm the get-out-of-debt guy. And I'm still telling them no, because I don't want you sitting there with $1,000 at this stage of your financial plan. Now, at the beginning of your financial plan, when you're broke and got a bunch of other debts and everything else, you're living on beans and rice. But this is more intentional than it is intensity at your stage. And so I just want to be wise and careful, even though I'm as excited as you are to get you out of debt. So I'm guessing that either way, you're out of debt by Christmas. Yeah, it's going to be really close. If not, I mean, if we live yeah. a little bit more near, it's going to. I think we're. Yeah. I mean, another way you could really another way you could work it is, uh, it. you know, another you know, we're just keep manipulating the numbers here. But if you said, okay, let's just call it three to six months, and let's call it twenty grand, throw uh, the rest of it at it, 
and then just ch- start chunking on the house, you're still going to make it. And if you don't, reach over and pull 10 out and take it down to 10 for one month. Yeah. In December. But just yeah, go, you I know, you. December, I'm done. As long as I don't go below 10 in my savings. But you could, if the math works, the math works on throwing it at the debt or it works in throwing it in the account and then pulling it out of the account. So either way is fine. Um, and, uh, but I, I would not stop. Are you saving for a 401k? I would not stop that. Absolutely. Yeah. My wife puts about 11% in. I'm putting about 7% in. Yeah. Okay. Then I'm putting about another 8% into a uh, uh, Roth IRA. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're getting, you got the right numbers in. I wouldn't stop that either. So the, the, the difference is only whether it's uh, Christmas or whether it's March. That's the only difference. And in, at, and when you're 75 years old, the, the, that right. date won't matter. I, I like the advice, Dave, and I'd actually be a little bit more cautious with that savings because if, if it's me and I really want to get this because it's just intensity, he sees the finish line, how could you make five to ten grand extra? That's what I'm looking at. I, I, I like that savings posture. I really do, having that just in case a big event happens because you're talking about the difference between three months. Mm-hmm. So it's great advice. I certainly agree with you. I wouldn't personally. I started getting a little nervous listening to that going lower than fifteen myself. I was yeah. like, ooh, yeah. ten or fifteen's got to be your floor, yeah, for sure. But I mean, you could just throw money, you know, leave the savings sit like it sits, and throw money at the house, and then when you get within striking distance of taking it down to fifteen, then do it in one lick. Yeah. Then you're sitting on savings the whole time while you're waiting to do it, and um, that won't mess you up either. You'll still get there in exactly the same period of time. Exactly. And so, yeah, it's a great place to be, though, Carl. I love where your head's at, and I, I like that you found a financial advisor who's understood that getting out of debt is the key to building wealth. Because not having any payments, you know what you can do if you don't have any payments? Anything you want. I mean, it opens up the door, baby. It's... Uh, Americans live in such bondage that we don't even know what it's like to be free. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, if you're new to the show and you're listening and watching, Carl is a great example of where you can be. You know, he started off by saying, I wish I had found you 20 years ago, but they've, they've jumped into the process, and now he's looking at the finish line. He can't get there fast enough. It's a wonderful, wonderful place. That That's is, possible. Yeah, it, it, it is amazing that, um, that that you can, you know, run for two hours in a half marathon and still have enough gas left to sprint the last 100 yards once you see the finish line. <laughs> that reminds me, Dave, when I was cramping up and had all kinds of issues a couple of years ago, and I was like a wounded wildebeest out there, and then I saw the finish line, and I just gutted it out. It hurt so bad, but it was like, oh. Hey, we were running beside you. We were, we were cheering you on. I don't know if what I was doing could be described as running. <laughs> well, we were we were in motion going forward. Yeah. Drag a leg. All, all in the name of the Coleman Project. Oh, but there you man. go. <laughs> Glad I retired that day. <laughs> oh, fun stuff. <laughs> this is The Ramsey Show. here we just launched a brand new audience survey for the ramsey show and we'd love your feedback you could be entered to win a 500 dollars visa gift card no purchase necessary take the survey at ramseysolutions.com slash survey if 
you enjoy this podcast, you should check out other great podcasts from the Ramsey Network, like Ramsey Call of the Day. Check out our new Ramsey Call of the Day podcast. It'll give you a quick hit of advice about life and money in under 10 minutes. Listen to the Ramsey Call of the Day wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's James, producer of The Ramsey Show. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services you heard about during this episode. Thanks for listening.